Hello, everyone. Welcome back. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about paranormal experiences. And today's guest speaker would like to remain anonymous. So, yeah, here she is. Hi, y'all. So, the reason I want to remain anonymous, uh, in case I ever become famous, I don't want this to come back and surface, but I do want to explain something that's been that used to plague me and um, I didn't know and um, it was paranormal and I didn't realize that it affected every aspect of my life and um, looking back on my life it's insane that I didn't realize and I could have made so many changes I could have sought help sooner but do I regret the way my life happened? No, because I think it made me the person who I am today, which I like myself a lot better now than I did before. <laughs> so all good things. But um, still, if you know, you know, it's one of those things. So I spent a few hours putting together a story that I'm going to read. And it is 100% true. Zero embellishments, zero exaggerations. It just is what it is. And we are, you know, going to kind of go a little more in depth after I finish reading. Yeah. If you are experiencing any of these things to know that you're not alone and this stuff is real. And if you do relate to anything we're going to talk about today, there's a chance that you should seek help. And if I did not seek help, I probably would have been stuck in the same cycles that I have been my whole life. So if you resonate with anything we're about to talk about, you know, just go for it. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) All right. So throughout my 32 years, I've experienced a handful of events with multiple entities. One plagued me for almost a decade, and I wholeheartedly believe it sent a ripple effect into all aspects of my life, wrecking havoc in its wake. And while it's somewhat unconventional, I think it's best that I start this story at the end so that when I tell you how it all began, it will tie a metaphorical bow around the whole thing. It was the year 2018 when it all ended. I was at the time in a relationship with a guy who I later came to learn was a textbook narcissist. Over the course of our relationship, he had successfully alienated me from my friends, family, and caused me enough mental distress that even my performance at work began to suffer. I'd show up to work after crying all night, puffy-eyed, lacking all emotions. The reason I tell you this is to kind of paint a picture of what my life was looking like at the time. If you've ever been with a narcissist, you know what that's like. It's, It's draining. So my colleague noticed my behavior was off that day and asked me what was going on, if I were all right. And the moment she asked me this, I had a meltdown. Um, She and I were relatively close, like work friends, uh, and she was older and wiser than me. Uh, I told her about the recent ordeal with my relationship, but I also ended up spilling the beans about something I'd never shared with another soul to that day. And this is what I told her. Several years ago, I started to notice that whenever my life would get tough, whether I hated my job or was in a bad relationship or money was tight, you name it, I would start to experience paranormal activity that only I would see, feel, and hear. However, it was only noticeable when I was under the influence of marijuana. I would smoke, my heart rate would accelerate, and I would hear a voice inside my head that was not my own. And uh, it would tell me horrible, demeaning things about myself, and there was nothing I could do to shut it up apart from prayer. One time, it was so loud, I couldn't hear what my friend was saying to me three feet from my face. I had to excuse myself and like lock up in the bathroom and simply pray until it was quiet. This went on for years until I finally quit smoking. 
problem was it was now happening while I was not under the influence of marijuana. So I figured that that's it. I'm officially losing my mind. The voice belonged to a man and it sounded ancient, angry, and just so disgusted with me. Honestly, it was fucking terrifying. Um, I was hearing it in the moment my colleague had asked me if I will all right that fateful day. She listened, comforted me, and then said something I was absolutely not expecting. She uh, told me she was a Wiccan and could help me. Her sisters, chosen family, um, lived an hour away and that she could take me there that week to perform a cleansing. I was a bit skeptical, but whatever I had done up to this point hadn't worked. And I've tried everything except for treatment for possible schizophrenia. So needless to say, I was desperate to be rid of this and agreed to try it. The moment I stepped foot on the stairs of the home of her sisters, my body was vibrating. There's no other way to put it. It's as if it will, whatever, it's as if whatever was dwelling inside me knew its time was up. The eldest sister took my hand and walked me to the back of the home where a room was set up for the ritual. By the time they laid me down, my body was just shaking uncontrollably. Honestly, I was scared. They put my feet in a bucket of water with herbs. They prayed over me and the ritual began. Um, healing stones were laid on my chakras, sending frequency deep into my bones. Um, as they yelled at the entity, I truly felt my body had lost control of itself. Um, and this w went on for a while. And uh, when they were finished, we just lay and sat in silence, breathing heavily as if fresh off of a battlefield. Once we were all calmed, the sisters told me to dump the bucket of water across the street and they would tell me everything once I was back in the house. Mind you, I had not told them about anything apart from the voice. They went on to tell me that this entity had taken control over me, my body and mind, and had been with me for a few years. It negatively influenced my outlook on life, destroying my self-esteem, manipulating my decisions, and swaying my judgment, causing me to, in turn, lead a life of full of misfortune, burden, and distress. This was harrowing to hear, as I've, I've always had the spirit of a fighter and was able to pull myself out of these si shitty situations in life, but it was never easy. And, you know, my friends always joke that I was like the luckiest unlucky person they knew, and it was true. However, extremely exhausting, because I'd never catch a break. It was then that I asked why this entity came after me, and I was given the answer that shook me to my core. It was all finally making sense. It was an ancient American Indian male spirit, and it was angry with me as I had desecrated its land, its sacred burial ground. You see, when I was 19, I briefly lived in New Jersey. It is well known that this state is one of the most haunted with vast cemeteries and holy grounds. Unfortunately, as the towns grew, the lines blurred and many didn't know what was where. This was the case with the home of one of my friends. My friend, friend one, and I went over to friend two's house to play cards, watch TV, etc. Friend one rolled up a blunt and friend two asked us to walk to the backyard. It was nighttime and dark and until he turned the lights on at the shed all the way at the edge of his property. We sat on the warm summer ground, smoking, laughing, being idiots. I took a couple of puffs and rejected the rest and some a lightweight. And within a minute, I started to feel very strange. Not stoned, but just strange. You know the way you feel when you're stoned. You, you know other things. It's not the same. It's important to tell you now that I used to suffer from seizures uh, caused by an improper weaning off of a medication. Everyone who knew me either knew I had them or had seen me have one and therefore knew what to do in case it happened. 
The friends I was with that night were also aware of the seizure. So what I told them, I felt like one was coming on. They were on alert, ready to help. Friend two went and got me some juice and water. And friend one just kept his hand on my shoulder, reassuring me that everything would be okay. Uh, Well, friend two said he could help me go inside and ask for help from his mom if that would make me more comfortable to be around a woman. And I said no, as it just typically lasted 30 seconds. And worst case scenario, I would need new pants. If you know about seizures, you know what I'm talking about. So to tell his mom only then. Except this didn't feel like the onset of a seizure. Usually I had this warm, anxious rush roll through my body, what some people call an aura. And within 10 seconds, I'd experienced the episode. But this time just kept passing since the initial rush, and I was only feeling weaker and more tingly. And about a minute or so into this, I started to do jumping jacks in an attempt to like shake it off and lie down and get the blood back to my head. Nothing was happening and nothing was helping. And while still laying on my back, I said to them, I feel like something is draining my energy. The following part is what I was told by friend one. So I was no longer present for it. This is a retelling. For a moment, I was quiet and then asked how I was doing. I jumped to my feet so fast that it scared the both of them. Friend two coughing from exhaling the smoke so fast. I stared at him for a long moment and he looked over to friend one with the what the fuck look. Um, Right as I started muttering something in a language they did not know. Granted, English is my second language, so it could have been my native tongue and they wouldn't have known the difference. And I wish it ended there for them. But unfortunately, that was the moment that I started to bend over backwards unnaturally for my body. Uh, my friend said that it looked like my, my back was breaking. Friend one jumped towards me, trying to catch me because he thought I was falling, holding my back with one hand and my head with the other. And he told me he started to pray and channel love to me while friend two stood frozen in shock and fear from what he was witnessing. Friend one said that when he pulled me up a little bit and saw my eyes up close, he realized my pupils were so dilated that the green irises were completely gone. From my eyes and my facial expression, I didn't even look like me. It was, I was still muttering and the anger was exuding and it felt unholy. Mind you, from the moment that I had said I thought I was about to have a seizure to now, it had been maybe five minutes. And so friend one kept praying and staring at me until my eyes rolled back into my head. And it was then that I felt like a bag of bricks back onto the ground. So then I came to and uh, they were dragging me to the car with each one of my arms across their shoulders. My feet were completely numb, not working, and I was having a hard time breathing. My heart was beating so hard I could feel it in my ears. When I asked them what happened, they just kept looking at each other, not me, and just stuttering over things like, well, we, just, we just need to get you some food or let's get some pizza and we'll talk after. And while eating pizza and chugging water, friend one told me what I wrote above. And I remember how loud the silence was afterwards and how friend two didn't speak nor look at me at all. When I asked him, you know, is this true? And he, stared, he just stared at friend one and said nothing. He looked scared. Um, And friend one said that he did not think that that was a seizure. Well, no shit. (laughs) And uh, a couple of years later, I reconnected with friend one. We were hanging out and he offered me a smoke, which I politely refused, stating that I did not want a repeat of that night. (laughs) So we kind of chuckled wryly at this. And um, I wanted him to tell me again what had happened and whether friend two would want to talk about it. And he explained that friend two had gone through 
major change in life. From a daredevil pothead, he became a pious, law-abiding, God-fearing man. And he figured that that night he saw something that he couldn't explain with his previously atheist ways. Uh, given the scare of a lifetime was enough for him to turn his life around 180 degrees. And friend one also told me that the property, friend two's house, where we were that night, was later found to have been built right next to, if not slightly over, an American Indian burial ground. The ground where the shed we hung out was by, the ground where I smoked, did jumping jacks and lay on the grass of an, in anticipation of a seizure that would never come. Well, the fact that I never realized that this ancient spirit stayed with me all these years was is still absurd. Um, you know, I had, it had dwelled within me, affecting my everyday life seemingly as a form of payback for my disrespectful childish behavior. And when the Wiccan sisters were telling me this, I felt like the puzzles of my life was for once making sense, like the pieces were just fitting together for this first time. And with that, I could feel... Uh, almost an end of an era dawning, the end to my cyclical struggles, whether financial, romantic, familial, and most importantly, mental. The ritual was performed over six years ago, and while I still experience paranormal activity around me from time to time, I know the ancient spirit is not the culprit. I have never heard the ominous voice inside my head since. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, I think it's really important that, you know, people share their messages. Um, as I learned in a Tony Robbins event, your mess mm -hmm. is your message and it can Amen. help so many people. So I am just curious, like, you know, was this the first time you ever experienced anything like this? So no, my first time I was about nine years old and it was a really, really terrifying experience. And, you know, I have told some people this experience and they're like, oh, you were just nine years old and you're, you know, you're, <laughs> you're young and impressionable and you were scared. But it was so much more than that. And uh, I, I feel like people uh, are really quick to dismiss or maybe rationalize mm -hmm. an experience yeah, rather than just sit and listen to you yeah, and, you know, explain like, okay, well, okay, that cannot be explained. That, And I understand that in the mind of a skeptic, or even if you're not a skeptic and you are a believer, yeah, you still don't want it to be real. So you look for answers elsewhere as to why this totally. could have happened, right? And I get that. Mm -hmm. But then to so um, surely to say like, no, that there's no way that happened. It just, it's not just dismissive of the person telling the story. You know, it's, it's just dismissive of the world we know yeah. exists and that's where it all starts Correct. you know you're told that that didn't happen or you're crazy you, yeah. yeah it's like no bro like i know what happened yeah. to me you know like sure i was nine years old but you know what it's it is real yeah 100 percent. it is proven that it's real mm -hmm. um and i'm not talking about proven as in like the paranormal ghost shows like please that's all orchestrated <laughs> you know what i mean but there there are people regular people like me like us yeah who will tell you this stuff but the thing is that we're not just going to tell any joe schmo we we we're selective about this yeah right? because if we're revealed to the wrong person oh you're you're crazy like oh you're schizophrenic which yeah trust me i i thought it was yeah i was yeah. going through all this stuff right like I, I definitely thought i was but it was not the case and the the reason i know it was not the case is because within a year of getting that cleansing the ritual my whole life just changed. Mm -hmm. And the last bit I think that was holding me to that life was that narcissist relationship. 
And I mention him because um, he was a huge pivotal point in my life, aside for the ritual. Um, he made me forget who I actually was yeah. through the manipulation, brainwashing, isolation, everything like that, right? Telling me that I could never amount to this, I could never get that done, whatever. And then um, once I, got, I did the cleansing, I got a better job where yeah. I was happy and I was making more. And how dare I make more than him? Oh, right? yeah. And, and we will have a full episode on narcissism because right. I have been there, too. And <laughs> yeah. that is a Amen. whole nother topic. It is a whole nother topic. Yeah. But imagine um, being, I can't believe that I call it this, but I was, yeah. you know, a decade, yeah. like imagine being possessed and also having a, a an upbringing where you never felt good enough. Yep. And then you're in a relationship with somebody who's telling you you're not good enough and you know what when you, you believe head, it like, you believe it because well he can't be wrong because look at the my job performance yeah and look at my relationships and look at all this right a b c d and all the way to z is in accordance with what they're saying so it's hard to differentiate what is bullshit and what is not yeah. because you got the evidence but then my evidence was obviously skewed by my paranormal uh, assistance right so but he was the last piece of the puzzle, and that's why I mentioned him. Because once I got rid of him, then, fuck, everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed. And I had been in a relationship with normal guys before, but my life was still chaotic. Mm -hmm. And that was the entity. So, yeah, it was, um, it was an insane thing to experience. And um, Would you mind sharing your experience when you were nine years old, what happened? I mean, yeah. as much as you want to. Um, yeah. So I grew up in a different country a country where a, a Christian Orthodox is the primary religion. And Christian Orthodox people have a tendency of being more God-fearing than God-praising, right? Mm -hmm. Like if anything happens in your life, oh, that's God punishing you. Yeah. So I was raised by my grandma and my great-grandmother was in my our apartment with us. And uh, when I was around six years old, she started to lose her mind. Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever. Um, so they did not have a good relationship. My grandma hated her for her upbringing. Mm -hmm. And looking back on it, obviously this is insane, but being a kid, I didn't realize that this was insane. What she did was she locked her in a room. Wow. And she kept her locked up in that room until she died three years later. She even put a bucket for her to do her business in wow. and just would never let her out of the house. We lived on a fifth floor, and a lot of times my great-grandmother would be found dangling out of the window trying to commit suicide and it wasn't until our neighbors would start just banging on our you know uh on our front door just like go in there go in there she's about to you know she's she's hanging out the window mm -hmm. and you know we'd pull her out and she would say things like oh i just you know, i don't want to i don't want to do this anymore you know like, they're making me who's making you they're yeah. making me and i was like you know as a kid didn't understand but looking back okay was, now you I, get it now i yeah. get it um and, you know, she was seeing things, she was hearing things, she's got mental problems, but could there be some underlying cause? You never know. But then when I was nine, I sure as fuck figured out that there, <laughs> you know, there was something in there. This shit's real. And this shit's real. And the reason I say this is because, you know, we had a small apartment and it was not abnormal for people to share beds because when you live in small quarters, I mean, that's what you're going to do. So I had started to sleep on my own in the living room. And it was fine for a while. And then my great-grandmother took a turn for the worse. And um, my grandma, being the God-fearing woman that she is, was like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to get holy water. We're going to go and, you know, pray over her. We're going to spray the holy water in the corners of the room. 
So she sent me to do the spraying. And, and you're only six at Well, this at the time, I'm, I'm almost nine. Oh, nine. Yeah, so okay. it started when I was six. Okay. And the demise was okay. when I was nine. Yeah. So the, over the course of the three years. And so I'm, I'm in that room and I'm spraying the corners and I get to the last corner and I don't remember shit. Like, I just, I, I don't remember what happened. So um, my grandma later told me that I, I passed out, which is funny to me, like, this is what you call anointing a mm-hmm. home, right? You take holy water, you put a cross on every doorway. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm, as you know me, yeah. I'm very religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was a common practice in the uh, Christian Orthodox community. So um, I woke up, I was in the living room sleeping the way I do all the time. Uh, something you also should know about me. I'm blind as a fucking bat. <laughs> me <So> too. <laughs> I have a horrible vision. Yeah. And even at nine years old, I think my vision was probably like around negative three. I wore glasses, um, but I wake up and I, I don't have my glasses on and I don't know where they are. And it's dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in not a, like a town, right? So I'm on the fifth floor. Whenever there was a main road right next to us and whenever a car would pass, there's a whole wall of windows. And if you look at like old school homes and Slavic countries, um, it's all windows. And then there's like a balcony mm-hmm. so that you can get some light. So every time a car would pass, the lights would reflect and you could see the, the passing lights on the ceiling, whichever, they, whichever way they were going, they would light up the ceiling. Okay. So these old Slavic uh, houses, tall ceilings, big chandeliers, that's like a, that's a thing. And, um, you know, I'm blind as a bat and I'm, I'm looking up at the ceiling and I, you know, I'm like, oh, sh- OK, like, so okay, it's nighttime. All right. And as it keeps like the cars keep passing and I, and I see this darkness in a corner that is darker than a dark itself. And no, I don't see any eyeballs. No, I don't <laughs> see anything like that. OK, like, like, let's just get that straight. But it is darker than the dark itself. And that was strange to me. And I. And I kind of got scared because you're nine years yeah. old. You know, yeah. I'm scared. And so I'm, I'm looking at it and um, I could not take my eyes off of it. And the. Sorry, there's a helicopter in the background. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so I'm looking at it and it is it is it is darker than the dark itself. And I I'm kind of I'm scared at this point mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know what I'm looking at. And I kept my eyes on it. And every time a car would pass, it would move a little mm. bit. Like I could see it was not in the same place. And, you know, we had a... Uh, like a dark shadow? Like, like a, yeah, like a, just a dark, a, a darkness, like yeah. a super dark darkness. And um, it was in the corner where there was um, up against the wall, we had like a bookcase, like a really long, like a library yeah. in our living room. And it started to move along it. So you could see where the wall was darker from the corner, which whereas the corner was darker before. And it kept moving. And um, then, you know, I really was like pissing myself. And, I'm, and then the, the thing started moving towards the chandelier. And this is like a crystal, like fancy fucking thing. And mm-hmm. there is no air conditioning. This is the middle of fucking winter. Okay. We have um, Slavic people. They tape up their windows mm-hmm. to keep the heat because uh, we have like the old school radiators. Yeah. So the chandelier starts moving. The chandelier starts oh, tinkling like yeah. the little the little crystal. So I'm I'm saying that because I know there's no way. Yeah. There's no yeah. airflow at all. There's no fan. There's no nothing. This is an old school fucking building. There's nothing moving it except for this shadow. And it is on the chandelier. 
the it is it is dark only on the chandelier. The corner is normal now. The side of the wall above the, the bookcase is normal. So I know that this this is a moving thing. It's like coming towards you. It's coming towards oh, me. My and the second that I that, that, that I'm starting to hear the chandelier and the car the car passes again and I see it there. I got that rush of fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we all know what I'm talking about. When you get scared, yeah. you just, you get this like, oh, yeah. you know, and like you get the, the yeah, hair standing up. Yeah, the panic, mm -hmm. the hair is on the back of your neck, stand up and you're just like, fuck, something's happening, right? But I felt it in my feet. And mm. now I'm too scared to poke my head out, like, and like sit up and look, but my, my, my feet are hot and it's starting to travel up my feet and I feel it traveling up my feet. And I like kind of moved my feet and like it would not go away. And the thing is getting closer. It's like it's moving down the chandelier at me. And I'm like, and I start screaming. And you're nine years old. I'm nine and like, years what old. the fuck I'm is going on? I'm screaming my fucking head off. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the reason I bring up the, the radiators also in old buildings, these pipes are connected throughout all the floors. There's 12 floors in this building. All 12 floors are connected with the same pipe, same radiator. So if somebody is being loud, banging on the radiator it's gonna tell them to shut the fuck up okay. right so mm -hmm. if i ever played piano too late practicing right people will start banging on the radiator. Yeah. yeah you're like okay i'm, I'm done okay i'm mm -hmm. closing it marla sorry <laughs> you know so um people start banging on the radiators within like 10 minutes of me screaming but that's a long time to scream yeah for a kid i mean that feels like a fucking eternity because i don't know where my glasses are i'm pissing myself yeah. i'm covered in sweat my feet are hot from what i don't know and this thing is moving at me and the chandelier is right above. It's a pullout couch, right? So my grandma made the pullout couch okay. and I'm, I'm laying at the chandelier right above me. And my grandma doesn't fucking hear me. Oh. And she's like, she's like in the farthest part of the apartment. This is not a giant apartment, but it's like steel fucking wall. You can't hear yeah. shit. It's cement. Um, and there's a light switch that's kind of near me, but like I would have to get out from under the blanket to move it. And so finally, when I feel like I have no time, and the reason I felt like I had no time because I, it was close enough now that I felt like I could see a face. That's where, wow, like, I, again, do not know if I'm actually looking at a face. Yeah. I'm blind, but I feel like I'm looking and some, and the darkness and the darkness is looking back at me. So the people are banging on the radiators. The thing is like feet away from my face. I don't know where my glasses are and I know where the light switch is because there's a desk right there and I just I pray mm -hmm. and I turn the light switch on and there was a moment where the light flooded and it was still there it was like just like tiny millisecond when it was still there and then I see my glasses on the desk and I grab them and I, I booked it down the hallway and I show up to my grandma and I'm like shaking her awake this woman like probably had a heart attack and she's like you know what's going on what's going on and she turns the lights on and she's like oh my god you're like you're drenched in sweat she's like oh, you're, yeah you're what do you say to her in that moment right like, like you know and i just i'm i you know, started rambling and telling her what i was seeing and, she, and she's oh no it's okay you're just dreaming yeah because of course mm -hmm. you know that's what people are going to say to a nine-year-old who's fucking picking herself there <laughs> yeah. and you know so i slept the rest of the night with my grandma and then within a few days of that happening um we sent my great-grandmother to hospice. Now, when you picture hospice in America, you're taken care of. You're, mm -hmm. you're people one-on-one, -on -one, whatever. Like, there's nicer options for that. You sent somebody to hospice in a lot of countries back in the 90s. 
it's it's guaranteed death. Um, so we sent her there because there was we can't take care of her anymore. And we show up a couple of days later. She is in a diaper and she's eating her own feces. What? And they said we don't know what else to do. Like she's not just eating the feces; she's eating the innards of the diaper, like the the stuff that you know holds the pee, like the yeah. And like at this rate, like we, we don't know. She, you know, she's going on herself. She has to have a diaper. We don't know what else to do. But this is this is gonna accelerate the process. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of started making arrangements and things like that, right? And sure, shit. Within a few days, she was dead. And um, we were on our way to visit her, and we show up at the hospice, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, she just passed." And they were just so nonchalant about it. And then, you know, we get back home, and there's a message on our like tape the you know the old school phones are like mm-hmm. that and like yeah you know we just wanted to inform you that she had passed so she passed while we were on the train to come and see her and uh you know after that there's a few rituals that you do you cover up mirrors um so that the dead mm-hmm. know that they're dead and you put a piece of rye bread on top of a shot of vodka and the vodka deteriorates or evaporates over time. And then when it does, the piece of bread breaks in half. And that's how you know the spirit has left. Interesting. And then, and I've never you, heard of that before. Yeah. So that's a Christian Orthodox mm-hmm. thing. And so we did that and we had everything covered up. And then you do the funeral, the, the everything. And I wasn't allowed to go because they didn't want me to, you know, get traumatized. But then yeah. I moved into her room and it was just abysmal. And mm-hmm. and it took a while before I felt comfortable. But honestly, I don't think I I don't think I ever was a hundred percent comfortable. Yeah. There. And then about three years later, I moved to America. So, but you know, things were really going downhill. Between... So, did you ever talk to people about this, or was it something you just kind of swept under the rug? And I had you know, to. yeah, I had to because it, it, you it didn't was... have anybody to talk to about no. it. No, but then, you know, every time we would go to church, I would feel uncomfortable in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't explain it. Like, I just felt like I was crawling out of my skin. Like, yeah. there was something, there was something there. And when I finally moved to America, like, I felt lighter. Like, yeah. I just felt like whatever was there, it, it, it went away. And the, the weird thing is, we still have this apartment in Soviet era. You know, when you were, you're given an apartment, you keep it for mm-hmm. fucking forever. It's in your family. So my grandma stayed there. Um God bless her soul. She passed in this past November. And she, um, then my uncle and his wife and daughter moved in there. Okay. And from what I know, there was always chaos in that house. And Mm. my grandmother just became such a bitter woman. And um, just everything was drama. Everything was fighting and Mm. negative, nasty. So I think that whatever is there, hopefully it left with her i don't know if it was from her i don't know what i don't know anything all i know is that i pray that my uncle and his wife and family are safe and not going to be affected by this thing because it it just it was not a good place to be so yeah i never really was able to talk to anybody um it's not something you know they send you to therapy that's not a thing yeah in those countries and uh you just uh, you just kind of have to keep moving forward I think that's why it's so important. That's why I'm so passionate about doing these podcasts is because of how important it is that people share their stories and help, you know, let them know that they're not alone. Um, I remember when I started my spiritual journey or right before I really started my spiritual journey, 
I had dealt with a couple episodes of sleep paralysis. Yeah. And yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I started this journey, it's like I didn't have anybody to talk to at that time. I was kind of just going solo and, you know, having these experiences. And I had it happen three different times. And the first two times it was, you know, yeah, terrifying, but nothing like the third time. And the third time I literally felt like something stuck its tongue in my mouth. You know, I was frozen. I couldn't move. And the next day I was like, how the hell do I even talk to anybody about this? They're going to think I'm fucking crazy. Exactly. You know, and so I did. I I mean, besides telling like one or two people, um, it wasn't until like a year later that I came across, I think it was like a podcast episode or something where somebody was discussing it, how that happens. And you know, that I've always been somebody who is all about love and light. And, you know, mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, you and your woo-woo. Oh, yes. And, you know, yes, there's... I feel that way about you sometimes. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> I'm all about, you know, just what you put out, you get back. And I never really had learned about the dark stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and I think you and I are in the same boat there. And uh, so two things happened. First of all, I got freakishly into like paranormal mm. stuff, right? Because I thought, and my, the answers that I was seeking lie somewhere yeah. in these programs, not movies, Hollywood, fuck Hollywood, yeah, but like stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then my answers also lay in the conversations people have about this stuff, which was not very ubiquitous, we'll say, yeah. it, right? Like, so um, then social media became big, right? And then Instagram, uh, people would, you know, read other people's submissions mm-hmm. and, you know, you never know what's embellished. You never know what, what's not. Right. So it's, it's hard to be like, okay, well, the, this person had the exact same experience. How do I know they're telling the truth? How, yeah. how do we know it's not for clicks, whatever. But I, I was like, I have to believe if I want get answers of my own. So it took me a really long time to put together several, you know, places where I felt I could go and listen to this. And what you experienced, you know, you also don't know who to talk to because same thing here. Yeah. I'm going to tell somebody, oh, she's looking nuts. Okay, yeah. Like, here, here's a pill for that. Yeah. Because that's, you know, the society these days. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be, fu-, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crazy. I'm capable. I'm bright. I'm smart. Like, I just, I just need a way to get rid of this, to yeah. fix it. And um, where do you start? Right. Um, so, Luckily, with my story, right, mm-hmm. I, I came across by chance. And I think that that's what everything happens for a reason, right? Yep. Nothing is a coincidence. Yep. I met oh, the only person who asked me if I was OK that day who I happened to share my story was Wiccan. Yeah. OK. Now, I am a I am a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Like, your textbook, you know, everything. Um, I don't talk about the way you do about the universe. I talk about yeah. God. I talk, right? So you and I have a different system of beliefs. However, at the at the core, it, it's just it's believing a, in a higher power. I tell everybody, right. whether you call it God, the universe, the cosmos, it's just believing in a higher power, you know? Right. And so where you and I separate is I'm God, yeah. your universe, yep. right? So for me, it's God. And I believe that like I, I, a part of me felt guilty that I turned to Wiccans for this help. Mm-hmm. Did it help? Sure. But I did turn to the church and I felt, and this is where, like, I understand why people like have a certain stigma against Christians because mm-hmm. what, what is said in the Bible and what some of these Christians preach is two different things mm-hmm. because this, Jesus wouldn't do that, right? If, if your whole b- religion is based on be like Jesus, 
well, some of them are not. So I turned to church. Um, it was the closest thing that I could bike to. I didn't drive at the time because of the seizures. Yeah. Um, and I came across this church and I went and, um, I'm sorry, a, ch a church store. And they told me, here's a church to go to. Here's a Bible. Mm -hmm. Read it. And they were super nice. They gave it to me for free. And because I think this woman saw what I was looking like and acting like. And uh, I did go to the church and I felt very free when mm -hmm. I was inside and they would sing the songs and I would literally just bawl my eyes out mm -hmm. and it was lovely but then I went enough and I was like okay maybe I can talk to somebody there and tell them what's going on so I did and they were super supportive and they were like okay well let us come over to your house and see what's going on so I had this tapestry that was the ohm sign like in yeah geometrical patterns I never thought about it as from a religious aspect I just thought it was a beautiful tapestry and it worked with my everything and the first thing that they said they're like remove any of these objects and they're like they're not going to help you I was like well this is just a tapestry right looking back I understand where they were yeah. coming from at the time I did not so they said remove anything that has nothing to do with God and be and be about it and then you will see your life change mm. I didn't believe that at the time because I wasn't educated enough on it. But um, looking back, I understand what they're talking about now. So I have done that. And honestly, I, this kind of shit just doesn't plague me anymore. Yeah. It, it doesn't. And when it does, it is because of a whole different situation yeah. that I see and hear. I'm sorry, not, not see. I don't really see that. I hear and feel things, but that is fine. Yeah. And knowing how to protect your energy. Correct. And, you know, I... I am huge on self-help and being the best version of yourself. And it's very important to, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like our thoughts are so freaking powerful. Oh, yeah. And when you focus on something, you attract more of it. So if you're in a fear base all the time, you're going to attract that. And Correct. You know, it's just learning how to navigate through a lot of this stuff too. And so like you said earlier, like if you are experiencing anything like this or similar to this, it we do advise you to seek help or talk to somebody who because you can now, yeah, right, yeah, People, it's and, it's more wide known. Yes, and that's the way I've always been too. I mean, I got in so much trouble growing up, and it all makes sense to me now. Like, I am somebody who likes to do things differently. I've always had um, a problem with authority and being told, you know what to do. And I just, I don't know. I think that's why I'm meant to do this and help people know that it's okay to talk about these things and getting to that point of not caring if somebody's going to think you're schizo or, you know, right. like you're going to attract the right people as you raise your vibration. You know, my right. circle of friends has changed a lot over the years and it just keeps getting better and better because as I'm raising my vibration, I'm attracting like-minded individuals into right. my life. And it just feels good to know that you have um, a really good, close-knit group of people who can hear you and believe you and understand you. And there's so many people out there who feel alone or, you know, feel like they're going crazy. And so hearing your story there could be somebody out there who is having similar experiences. There could be. And honestly, OK, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. I'm not giving I'm not out here trying to give medical advice. However, based on my own experience, if if you are going through anything like this, here's the pattern. It 
can prey on you if you, A, allow it to, and B, if you're in a position in life where you are so beat down by life yeah. that you are an easy target, mm-hmm. right? Because weak people are an easy target, whether it's for entities or for other people who tend to abuse people, right? Yeah. The weaker you are, the more likely you are about to get bombarded by this stuff, right? So I find that whenever I introduce things like medications or weed or copious amounts of alcohol we'll yeah. call it that, right like a shot won't do anything but like yeah. if you're if you're under the influence mm-hmm. in any way um that can kind of erase the barrier that your the strength in your mind can create against these things right so what i noticed that again whenever i would smoke it was like i i like the veil was brought down it was it was i was more likely to be attacked i was more likely to experience what you experienced like the um uh Witch on your back, they call it. What is it? The what? The they witch? call it witch on your back. The curse? No, the uh, parallel paralysis. Oh, uh, sleep paralysis. Yes, sleep paralysis. Yeah. So okay. sleep paralysis is called having the witch on your back. Oh, I right. Never heard so that. it's okay. like the in folklore they describe it as that there's an entity sitting on you mm, and yeah. it's controlling your body, mind, spirit, and it can do whatever it wants to mm-hmm. you. Right. So, um, and there are entities like succubi and incubi yes. who then also are able to manipulate your emotions to do whatever they wish to do with you um, in order to gain control over your body and the things that you can do for them. Which was recently what was, and this is a whole nother yep. thing, but yeah, somebody recently tried to do that where the spirit was trying to get inside my body and yep. control me. And we'll talk about that later, but yeah, continue. Exactly. <laughs> and whether somebody sent it to you or it just arrives on its own because it smelled your weakness or whatever yeah. it is, right? It doesn't like, even just have to be weakness, you know, like it could be because your light is so bright. It's, it it can know, be either yeah. or. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the way narcissists are typically attracted to people who are super empaths. vibrant and yeah, well, empaths, exactly, mm-hmm. because then they can turn your empathy against you. Yeah. Right. So and, they, and they, the more supply that they have, like if you're super ambitious and you're a fighter, they know that they can get supply from you for longer because mm-hmm. they can get you, keep you fighting for yeah. this relationship that is not for like going anywhere. Right. But so... um and then and then you turn weak and then that's where that kind of shit can mm-hmm. attack, right? So it's all about energy. It's all yeah. about what it wants from you, what it can take from you, right? And um, if it wants to possess you, it's easier to do so if you're just fucking broken. But it, yeah. that kind of stuff takes time, right? That's why they, they whittle you down. Um, and so what I was going to say was, you know, medications are, Big Pharma is fucking yeah. down everybody's throats. Everywhere you look, oh, you can't sleep, here's a pill. Yeah, oh, instead you can't of getting focus? to the root of the problem, why can't exactly. you sleep? <laughs> exactly, why can't you, right? Nobody nobody cares because yeah. the way they make money, yep. that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. The way they make money is, here. here's a pill, I'm going to get a fucking yep. bonus from giving you this medication, right? Because <laughs> yep. it's, it's all about self-interest. It's not about curing you. It's They're a not here to help anybody. They're not. And the problem is that the more medications you take, the the more likely I, f- I feel you are to become susceptible to this shit because that's yeah. my personal experience. Yeah. Again, speaking just from personal, mm-hmm. right? But I felt like the veil was very thin when I was medicated and uh, I did not wean myself off of them properly, which I kind of touch on in my story. I just, I actually, well, there was, I was on six different meds and I flushed them down the toilet. Wow. And it caused me to have seizures for... Just a better half of a, almost a decade. Yeah. 
and I couldn't drive. I couldn't, you know, you have to have three years of no seizure mm-hmm. or something to be able to do so. So that kind of stuff was happening. And I learned that when I got off the meds, I stopped smoking. I stopped getting drunk. Like I'm, I'm going to enjoy a drink or two, but the the more under the influence I am, the more likely I am to experience this stuff. So if it plagues you, try it. Yeah. Try getting clean and, um, you know, be intentional about it because if you want to be, if you want to be helped, yeah, I think that's a good start. Absolutely. And whether you want to turn to the universe, whether you want to talk to God, to Jesus Christ, you can do either or. Go with what feels best. Yeah. Use your intuition. You, exactly. Yeah. So and use your intuition. that's what we're all about at Mystic Movement. You know, we have several healers that would be more than happy to talk to you. We are a community of like-minded individuals that just, yeah, we care about each other and aim to be the best versions of ourselves. And when you really start healing yourself, you are healing your parents and your grandparents and generation after generation. So yeah. And you're breaking the cycle. Yeah. You are breaking the the cycle. And is it a lot of work? Yeah. I know that I'm the black sheep in the family. Mm -hmm. I'm meant to break the cycle, but I can tell you one thing that when I really started working on myself, that is when my whole family changed, you know, my relationships Mm -hmm. with my siblings or my parents. And it's just, it's so rewarding. And I wouldn't do it any differently. I love it and I'll continue to do it forever. And that's what I'm here to help others do too, because it's just changed my life for the better in so many ways. And yeah, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I know that we will definitely be bringing you on several more times to talk about so many different things. Um, Yeah. So thank you all for listening. Please let us know any topics that you'd be interested in us talking about and yeah i think that's it thank Thank you you guys for listening